You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. And we are back as the divisional round creeps closer and closer. The excitement is starting to build in the air and Baltimore has begun to paint the town purple. And that's exactly what I hope and expect Ravens fans will do to M&T Bank Stadium. The Ravens announced they are wearing their purple jerseys on Saturday against the Titans. So that will be an exciting time for them. And the Ravens have one of the best uniforms in the league, the best jerseys in the league. So any jersey you can wear, black, white, purple, regardless of what it is, wear it to the stadium, show your pride throughout the week, of course on Purple Friday as well. But we have a great episode for you today, and of course it's Thursday, so we're going to be getting into the Ravens news, notes, and quotes as it pertains to the divisional round, getting into injury reports from both teams, some quotes from both offensive coordinator Greg Roman and defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale. And then in our second segment, I kind of want to touch on something that I talked about earlier in the season, but I've kind of seen it creep back up as the Ravens prepare for this divisional round matchup against the Titans, and that's the negativity surrounding the Ravens despite all that they've been able to do this year, and I don't think it's warranted, I don't think it's acceptable, but there are a lot of people out there who are saying, you know, the Ravens can't do this, the Ravens can't do that, when clearly throughout the season they have done so. Listen, I respect everybody's opinion. They can pick the Ravens to lose. They can say the Ravens don't do this well and that well. But have some backup for it. Have some evidence. These people, these high-up media professionals who go on TV, go on radio, they don't watch Ravens football the way that Ravens Nation does, the way that I do, and they just don't have the evidence to support what they're saying. So I'm going to get into kind of what they're saying, why they're saying it, and really why it's wrong. And then finally, we're going to get into, of course, our mini preview of this divisional round matchup between the Titans and the Ravens. So let's get into it. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere there's a podcast, we are there. Daily content, Monday through Friday at 6 in the morning Eastern time. Also, be sure to follow us at LockedOnRavens and at ChaosRicker34, my personal account on Twitter. But now let's get into the good stuff, the content, starting with the Ravens news, notes, and quotes. And it's very, very important to understand what these injury reports are looking like. In the injury report for Wednesday for the Ravens, people were thinking maybe Mark Ingram could get a limited practice and kind of improve his prospects of playing. Well, unfortunately for Baltimore, that was not the case. Mark Ingram, again, did not participate in practice yesterday with his calf injury, and Brandon Williams also didn't participate, but this was just a veteran day for the big guy. He's going to be out there on Sunday. Do not worry. He will be out there as a run-stuffing presence for Derrick Henry, combating Derrick Henry. And also, Mark Andrews was again limited in practice with an ankle injury. For Andrews, I just don't think the Ravens want to overexpose him. They don't want to risk anything. Mark Andrews has had an ankle thing going on for most of the season. You know, he's re-aggravated it here, re-aggravated it there, kind of lower leg stuff. The Ravens just want to make sure one of their best pass catchers and one of their top targets is on the football field. So that's why I really think Andrews is being held back a bit by the training staff. He also definitely probably isn't 100% at this point, but he is pretty much as healthy as he's going to get going into the divisional round. But of course, the big news here is Mark Ingram. And as John Harbaugh kind of alluded to on Friday, he was expected to practice in pretty much a full speed capacity this week. But Ingram said he felt some tightness. He pulled it back. And the fact that he's not practicing, of course, does not bode well for 
his prospects of playing on Saturday against the Titans in the divisional round, but this is the exact right call for the Ravens. They don't want to risk a further injury for Mark Ingram, especially if it means that he wouldn't be able to play in the championship game, especially if it means that he wouldn't be able to play in the Super Bowl. And look, obviously there's no guarantee the Ravens win in the divisional round against the Titans. There's no guarantees, especially in January, especially when you're going up against an opponent who's on a hot streak like Tennessee and has been one of the hottest teams in the NFL. But what the Ravens have to realize for a player like Mark Ingram is that he's an older guy, right? He's in his 30s now, and, you know, the annual death day for running backs is when they turn 30. He's a guy who needs a little load management, per se, and football's a game where everybody could use some load management. But for Mark Ingram, he just needs to get back to, you know, being himself and being healthy. And that involves giving him proper rest when he has an injury. The fact that the Ravens play in the division around on Saturday, of course, could mean Mark Ingram could be practicing limited, you know, the entire week, could kind of rush it. And then the first quarter hits, he goes out, gets tackled, and boom, he's out for the rest of the game. If the Ravens win that football game, they don't have him for the championship for the Super Bowl if they make it, right? But if Mark Ingram is limited at all or does not play in the division around, The Ravens have guys, and I've talked about it time and time again, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are more than capable of picking up the slack than Mark Ingram would leave there and picking it up and doing a great job with it. Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards have very similar running styles, although Mark Ingram does offer more as a pass catcher and as a pass blocker. Gus Edwards would be a starting running back on probably five to ten teams in the NFL right now. And if not a starter, he'd be a very solid backup. And for the Ravens, I mean, I can argue Gus Edwards is one of the best backup running backs, if not the best backup running back in the entire National Football League. So the fact that he is able to be there and to let Mark Ingram rest to heal up, maybe Mark Ingram does end up being active and gets maybe five carries, six carries. But I would expect that Gus Edwards would actually get the majority of the timeshare in the quote-unquote timeshare of that backfield that the Ravens would have going on on Saturday because of the fact that the Ravens want him completely healthy. They don't want to risk him being re-injured and not having him available for the upcoming rounds if they do make it that far. If the Ravens can't beat the Titans without Mark Ingram, that's just how they're going to have to die. That's how they're going to have to live and how they're going to have to die. The Ravens rely on their running game so much, and while that opens up their passing game, the passing game can do the exact same thing. Not everything in this offense relies on Mark Ingram, and yes, he is an integral part. He's a big key piece, but he is not everything, and that's why I think that Gus Edwards will pick up the slack, will do a phenomenal job if Ingram is forced to miss this game and just rest up another week on route to playing in the championship game if the Ravens do make it there. For the Titans, Adam Humphreys, the wide receiver, did not participate with an ankle injury. Tyler, who we talked to yesterday, does not expect him to play. He's missed a few weeks. Linebacker Jayon Brown, he had a shoulder injury in the game against the Patriots, and he's one of their best young linebackers. He's a great pass cover guy. He did not practice again with his shoulder injury. Kamale Correa, former Ravens linebacker who's now on the Titans, did not practice with an illness. And Adore Jackson had a foot injury, and he did not practice. He's just getting his legs under him. He is expected to play. Limited practice, Deion Lewis had a shoulder injury against the Patriots. He was limited. And Nate Davis, the starting guard for them, also had an illness, and he was limited as well. So both teams are pretty healthy going into the divisional round aside from one or two key guys who are a little banged up. In terms of Ravens quotes, a hot topic for the Ravens coordinators today was the fact that the head coaching carousel has almost completely come to a stop. Cleveland is the only franchise that does not have a head coach in place. 
And everybody who remembers, Greg Roman interviewed with Cleveland, but it doesn't seem like their focus is on him. They're more focused on Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, the Vikings offensive coordinator, maybe even the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. So there are a few guys, but I don't think think Roman is in consideration for that job at the moment. And Don Martindale, who interviewed for the Giants job, the Giants obviously hired Joe Judge, the Patriots wide receiver and special teams coach. When asked about the openings and what they thought about, you know, kind of how the head coaching carousel went and is going, when Roman was asked, all he said was that he is focused on Saturday's game. And that is the absolute perfect response. And a lot of the reason why some people are calling for the coaching search to be changed until after the Super Bowl, it can be hard for these coordinators to kind of handle, you know, the rigors of preparing for a professional football team in the playoffs, going to interview, being a distraction and the like. Whereas Don Martindale... He admitted he was disappointed that he didn't get the Giants head coaching job, but I don't think that was, you know, a reflection on how he feels about Baltimore. I mean, look, every defensive coordinator, every offensive coordinator, every coach has an aspiration of being the head guy, being the head coach. And the fact that Martindale wasn't able to get the Giants job, yeah, I'd be disappointed if I didn't get a promotion. It's something along those lines. But he made a fact to say that he enjoyed the experience and is plenty content with the job that he has at the moment. And I think that this is just a testament to, look, Martindale wants to be a head coach. Roman wants to be a head coach. Be foolish for them to say that's not their dream. But the Ravens have a pretty good one right now in John Harbaugh, and he is not going anywhere. So yes, the Ravens coordinators have cushy jobs right now. They have great ones. They're part of something that's great. But they're coaches. They want to run a team like John Harbaugh. They want to be the guy. They want to be the face of a franchise. And while Greg Roman is the face of the offense, Right now, he's not the face of the franchise, and that really is and, you know, I think should be his goal. They are both extremely talented, and I think next year, once more firings happen and the more openings open up, one of them probably will leave, and so we can just enjoy it while we can. But for the moment, very happy that both are remaining in Baltimore for the moment. We are going to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about the negativity that the Ravens have received over the past week and even dating back to the last few years. Talk about why that's still a thing despite what they've been able to do. So stay tuned for that and we will be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostreicher still with you here and this has been a topic that has kind of not irked me, but has kind of gotten my attention over the last few days. For everything the Ravens have done this season, going 14-2, and ending the year on a 12-game winning streak, having a top-5 defense and a top-5 offense, having the best rushing attack in the NFL, the MVP at quarterback, a lot of guys who have defied the odds come in as pieces who were kind of cast off and make their presence known on a team like Baltimore. You know, all that stuff that I just said, that's pretty good. If your team was like that, you know, if... People weren't fans of the Ravens, you know, if the Cowboys are doing that, if the Jaguars are doing that, if the Chiefs are doing that, if the Bengals are doing that, that would be exceptional, all those things I just said. But somehow, even being the number one seed in the AFC, the Ravens are still getting disrespected by high-up media members, saying things like Lamar Jackson can't throw, the Ravens don't have the best rushing attack in the NFL, the Ravens are prone to being upset, the Ravens are too rusty, the Ravens don't have the talent to match... All this different stuff. And it was a pretty known fact that, you know, the Ravens were a team over the last few years that didn't get a lot of media attention. And, you know, Joe Flacco and Marty Morningweg, 
they ran a pretty vanilla offense. They weren't that exciting to watch and they were pretty mediocre. So, okay, I'll let that pass. But now the Ravens are doing something exciting. They're doing something innovative. And that's just one of the factors where the Ravens should be respected. When you see teams like the Patriots have dominance, you see teams like the Chiefs have dominance. Even you see teams like the San Francisco 49ers who, you know, had dominance this season. They're the number one seed in the NFC. And you're not hearing anything about, oh, well, they can't do this and they can't do that. Somehow there's this negative stigma surrounding the Ravens and that has kind of trickled into the playoffs. And I think that that has to do with people forget. People have forgotten. The Ravens haven't played a meaningful football game since week 16. That's a long time ago. And... I think that people have just forgotten, but that does not give them the excuse to disrespect the Ravens the way that they have. Let me give you an example, something that I tweeted out here. On First Things First on Fox Sports 1, Nick Wright, who really is not well-liked among the football community, I don't really know why, I don't really have an opinion on him, but he said, quote, against good defenses, the Ravens beat you with running the football. Lamar is going to be a slightly different player... He said, against good defenses, the Ravens' way to beat you was running the football. Lamar is going to be a slightly different player in the postseason because there are no Miamis and Arizonas to beat up on, and teams are going to make him throw the football, end quote. My first reaction to reading this, I was honestly blown away. Because, like I said when I was introing the podcast, it's okay if people don't you know, like what the Ravens are doing. It's okay if people say the Ravens are going to lose to said team. I don't care about that. What kind of irks me or not even irks, but, you know, kind of grabs my attention is the fact that people will say this without having, you know, any knowledge or minimal knowledge on what the Ravens do. This was an argument. This argument is dead. Nick Wright, just this argument is dead. Last season, this might have been an okay argument to say because, you know, you saw it in the playoffs. The Chargers put seven defensive backs on the field and made Lamar Jackson beat them throwing the football and he could not do it. But this is a dead argument because Lamar Jackson went into the lab in the offseason. He got improved. He made sure to improve his footwork, improve his accuracy, improve his spiral, improve his decision making. Lamar Jackson led the league in touchdown passes and all the media seems to be hung up on passing yards where uh, Lamar Jackson threw for 105 here, 127 here, 114 here. Lamar Jackson led the league in touchdown passes. Passing yards do not win football games. Points do. That's what I tweeted out, and I will stand by that. And then Nick Wright also gets into the fact that Lamar is going to be a slightly different player in the postseason because there are no Miamis and no Arizonas to beat up on. Last I checked, Lamar Jackson threw five touchdowns against the Los Angeles Rams without a top five defense. Lamar Jackson put up 30 points on the Patriots, excluding the Marlon Humphrey touchdown. That would be 37 if you include it. The Ravens played an extremely difficult schedule. Do I have to talk about Seattle? Do I have to talk about Houston? Do I have to talk about New England? Do I have to talk about Seattle, San Francisco, Buffalo, Pittsburgh twice? Even You could even throw Cleveland in there if you really, really wanted to. Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team does not get the respect that they deserve. You see high up media members after Lamar Jackson beats Jimmy Garoppolo and the media members are saying, well, I was more impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo than Lamar Jackson. You see Lamar Jackson throw five touchdown passes. The media members go, well, is he the MVP yet? I don't think so. I still think it took a long time for media members to really accept Lamar Jackson as the MVP. There was a lot of Russell Wilson talk far into the second half of the season. And it was difficult for, you know, Ramos Nation to get behind that because, you know, just the pure dominance and the pure skill that Lamar Jackson has. 
Lamar Jackson deserves to be rewarded. This Ravens team deserves to be rewarded. But more than that, this Ravens team deserves to be respected. Respect is earned in the NFL. Respect is earned in life. And the Ravens have done plenty to earn that respect. Going into the divisional round against the Titans, this should be a time of excitement for the national media. Talking about this electric 23-year-old quarterback who defied all the odds, defied Bill Polian, who called him a wide receiver, defied not becoming an, a unanimous all-first-team pro. He's defied everything. John Harbaugh almost fired at the end of last season. Got back, the organization went all in on him, gave him an extension, and he did this wonderful thing. Greg Roman, the defense, turned it around after week three and week four. The Ravens have done a lot. And are they a perfect team? No, absolutely not. I can admit that. There are still some flaws on that team, but this should have been a week of excitement. Instead, what has kind of happened is the media has turned it into, all right, the Titans are going to knock off the top seed, or will the Titans knock off the top seed, and have kind of poured all this negative energy into you know what should be a week of celebration for the Ravens fans, a week of excitement, and don't get me wrong, it's still a week of excitement. This has not deterred me from being excited and being happy and just all this stuff. You know, The Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. The Ravens have done all this stuff, and Ravens Nation, we know that we are witnessing greatness right here. But the fact that the media is kind of raining on the parade, I don't understand what the point is of that. And like I said, it would be okay if these media members were saying, well, look, here's where the Ravens match up, and here's what they're doing, and here's what they're not doing well. But there was no basis to this. Miami and Arizona, yeah, Lamar Jackson threw five touchdowns against Miami and had a dominant showing in Arizona too. That's not the point. Lamar Jackson played an extremely tough schedule. This Ravens team played an extremely tough schedule. And all that they're getting for it now is, well, the Titans might be the better team. The Titans might have the better rushing attack. The Titans, the Titans, you know, I'm used to not having media exposure to Baltimore, and that's okay. But now the Ravens are 14-2, and two, and they're getting the media exposure. It's just not in the exciting way that I expected it to be. And I'll go back to my San Francisco argument. The 49ers, extremely dominant this season. And all they're getting is praise right now. And I'm kind of sounding like a, you know, a guy who's, you know, butthurt about it or whatnot. I'm not butthurt about this, right? The Ravens love being the underdogs. The Ravens love, you know, kind of showing up and proving everybody wrong. And by no means and no stretch of the imagination of the Ravens, quote unquote, underdogs right now. But, you know, they're getting hated on a little bit and that's going to motivate them. It's bulletin board material. And I just wanted to bring this up because, look. The negativity surrounding this Baltimore team will most likely never go away. And the negativity surrounding Lamar Jackson most likely will never go away. It will become less and less and less as they dominate and as Lamar Jackson dominates. But there will always be those Bill Polians out there. And my message to Ravens Nation, just block it out. Just ignore it. And when you need to, just put you can put them in their place and say, look, here's your argument. Here's what's actually happening. Where's your argument now? That's really what it is. And the fact that the media is able to kind of go walk around and say, well, Lamar Jackson isn't a good passer because he couldn't pass in the playoff game against the Chargers last year. I'm at a loss for words for that because that argument's been dead ever since week one of the preseason this year. And the Ravens reinvented their offense. They put Lamar Jackson in a system for Lamar Jackson and not a system for Joe Flacco. The Ravens are dominant. The Ravens are a Super Bowl threat. And even if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, They're going to be a threat for years and years and years to come. So all the media who's saying negative things about the Ravens, look, everybody can have their opinions. I'm totally okay with it. But, you know, the people who go out there and 
present arguments without reasonable means to have the argument without backing it up with statistics, that's where I'm kind of like, okay, what's, what's the real goal here? So I just wanted to get that out and say, look, the negativity will be there, but Ravens Nation, we know what we have. We know how special this is, and it's not ending anytime soon. We are going to go to our final break, but when we come back, we're going to be getting into a mini preview of the Titans at Ravens matchup. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker still with you here. And after my, you know, I'll call it a mini rant about the negativity that the Ravens have faced throughout the season and heading into the divisional round, let's now get into the exciting stuff, the preview between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, which is going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a really tight game, but we have to preview what this game is going to be about, the keys, the X factors, final scores, and of course we're going to get into all of that with Matthew Stevens tomorrow. But for our mini preview, let's first start with the Titans and talking about Ryan Tannehill and really the transformation that he has given this Titans offense. Tannehill in his 12 games that he's played in has 2,742 yards along with 22 touchdowns compared to just 6 interceptions. He had a 70.3 completion percentage, and when talking about Marcus Mariota, what he did in his seven games that he played in, uh, 1,203 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, but only a 59.4 completion percentage. Tannehill has come in, been a steadying presence for them, didn't have the best showing against the Patriots, a very low yardage total, but was able to get the job done You know when it mattered. Two big throws to his tight end, and the Titans are built a little bit like the Ravens. Tyler and I talked about it yesterday, how this Ravens team and this Titans team kind of match up pretty well against each other. And I think when you start and look at each team and look at the Titans in particular, Derrick Henry, right? We talked about Derrick Henry. We've talked about him every day this week. 1,540 yards, 16 touchdowns, 303 attempts. That's a 5.1 yards per carry average. And I mean, beast is not the word. It's He's a beast, but he's also electric, and, you know, he's fast, he's big, he's physical, he's very hard to tackle, and if the Ravens can neutralize him, if the Baltimore offense can get out to, let's say, a 14-3 lead, even a 14-10 lead in its early second quarter, even close to halftime, the Titans won't have the luxury of controlling the game like they did against the Patriots. That game was pretty close. The Titans had the luxury of controlling that football game. I think that if you score 20 points against the Ravens defense, you're not winning that football game, and that would be one of the highest totals the Ravens had given up since week 7. They allowed 21 points once and 20 points once. I mean, the fact of the matter is, the Baltimore offense is so much more electric than the Patriots offense. The Baltimore offense is, you know, I'll say it, so much better than the Patriots offense. Tom Brady didn't look right this year. He didn't have any weapons around him. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have Mark Ingram if he plays, if not Gus Edwards. The Ravens have Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Seth Roberts, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, you know, Justice Hill. I could go on and on. There are so many playmakers on that offense, so many guys the Titans have to account for. In the Patriots game, the Titans could really kind of shadow Julian Edelman, kind of put an emphasis on him and make Tom Brady beat them in other ways and he wasn't able to do so but the titans are a pretty middling defense when it comes to actually looking at passing and rushing in terms of passing the titans were the 24th ranked defense giving up an average of 255 yards per game and when you flip that and look at rushing they were the 12th best team giving up 104.5 yards per game but just 4.0 yards per carry this is going to be a game where the titans have not seen the ravens 
I mentioned out of out of the four AFC wildcard teams to play, three of them had faced the Ravens. The one the Ravens are facing on Saturday, the Titans, were the one team who didn't face them. Preparing for Lamar Jackson in practice is so, so different from seeing him in the football game, and that's why the Ravens are able to get out to such big first quarter leads. They can't adjust to the speed that Lamar Jackson is actually running and the moves that he actually has, and Marcus Mariota is one of the best, I'll say, simulators of Lamar Jackson they can have. Built a little similar to him and, you know, has a little bit of the same attributes, but there is no other Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is unique to himself, and overall, I think the Titans are going to have a hard time in that first quarter, and if that's the case, and the Ravens got to a 14-3, 14-10 lead, and, you know, we're at 13 minutes in the second quarter, the Titans will not be able to control a football game, and with Tannehill, he can sometimes be forced into some bad throws. We saw it against the Patriots on the one interception he threw, and Tannehill is much, much improved. But that secondary of the Patriots, phenomenal. The Ravens have a secondary that rivals that. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Earl Thomas, Chuck Clark, and not to mention the defensive front of the Ravens, in my opinion, is a lot better to contain Derrick Henry just because of the big bodies up there. The Patriots were relying on Danny Shelton to take up double teams, and the Patriots' linebackers are a little undersized. They weren't hitting their gaps right. The A gap and the B gap were getting left open, or guys were falling over each other. The fact of the matter is, Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce will most likely be in the game for most first, maybe even second down situations. You have Chris Wormley as a defensive end. Dumbata Peko can get in there and be a big nose tackle while Pierce or Williams gets rest. The Patriots don't didn't really have that size. Lawrence Guy was really their next biggest guy, and he wasn't really doing a ton. So I think the Ravens match up with Derrick Henry in that Titans offensive line pretty well, and... The fact of the matter is that the Ravens offense can control the clock. They're not going to be able to put Derrick Henry out on the field to be a threat. They will neutralize that threat just by having their offense on the field and keeping Derrick Henry in that Titans offense cold on the sideline. So when you look at all of that combined and look at what the Ravens were able to do, you know, throughout the entire season, I have to think this is a Ravens win. And look, if it's not and they end up losing, I thought the Ravens were a year away coming into this season. Obviously, at this point, I think the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl this year. And look, that's not to jinx anything, but that's just what I think. But I thought the Ravens were a year away. There are a lot of guys on that offense who don't have a lot of playoff experience, and if Mark Ingram doesn't play, that's where I kind of see the Ravens maybe faltering, is maybe lack of playoff experience. But I fully expect Baltimore to win this football game. I think that Derrick Henry will not do nearly, not even close to as much damage as he did against the Patriots. I think the Ravens' defense will be a rude awakening for Ryan Tannehill. And I think the Titans' defense just will not be able to contain Lamar Jackson and what the Ravens do on offense. So I'm going to give a final score prediction, and it'll probably change again tomorrow. But right at this moment, I'm going to say 30-23 to Ravens. That's where I'll go. So I think that it's going to be a tight game, a close game. But what's important, it's going to be a good game. That's all I have for you today, but tomorrow we are going to be having a very special guest on the show along with Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire, so two guests on the show. Stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.